Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is a Tuesday. It is a beautiful day. The sun is shining out there. The sky is very blue. Uh, The Bank of England has intervened in the markets once again. And I've got one question for you. Where's Liz Truss? She's the prime minister of this country, right, Uh, for the moment. I'm not quite sure how long that's going to last. But, you know, for the moment, she's the prime minister. And I would have thought if the Bank of England is being asked to intervene in the markets in order to stave off a financial disaster... Wouldn't you think it's worth actually saying something about it? Quasi Quarteng, supposedly, uh, is up before the Treasury uh, questions today. So in the afternoon uh, later, he will be apparently answering questions in the House of Commons. But that's later. The Bank of England has now intervened for the second time uh, in our economy, right? Now, whether you think that's a good idea or not, the fact is that it does create a little bit of panic. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. People worry about their mortgages. People worry about uh, where the economy is going. Surely Liz Truss should come out and say, look... We have taken a decisive action this morning. We have decided to intervene. The Bank of England, which of course is independent, as everybody knows, wink, wink. They've decided to do something and we haven't fully endorsed what they've done. She doesn't have to say they ordered it because the government's not supposed to order it. But everybody knows what's really going on. The markets needed to be calmed down. And she needs to show that she's in charge. That Right now, it doesn't look like she is. Nick Dubois here with me. Uh, we'll get his view on all of this. We've got many other things to talk about, of course, as well, uh, because unemployment is at its lowest rate in nearly 50 years, right? That's all fine. There's a woman going around in Chelsea letting people car tyres down because she doesn't like SUVs. Huh? And nobody's bothered arresting her yet, by the way. We've got plenty of other things to talk about. Laura Dodsworth is here as well. We're going to be talking about what's happening in Ukraine because it seems to have ratcheted up yesterday. There's an awful lot of people saying that Putin now is in kind of the final stages of attacking civilians, bombing uh, innocent people, all sorts of stuff going on. We will be talking a little bit as well about the terrible story on the front pages of all the papers today about the nurse uh, who is being accused of killing seven babies. I mean, it really is such a horrific story, but we'll talk about that as well. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number we will be dealing with. Uh, we want to talk to all of you, of course, as well, because there's a great sense of sort of um, foreboding out there, shall we say, the calm before the storm. I've been talking to a couple of politicians, and they're all saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. And I think that's probably about right. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It's the only place to be. It is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham and a very, very good morning to you. The Bank of England has warned of a risk to financial stability. Now, that sounds quite serious to me. And I know uh, I've said many times before, there is a bit of toing and froing that takes place on the markets. You know, the markets make money no matter what. There'll be somebody making money even as we speak, even if the pound is going down or even if the bond uh, dollar price is going up. No matter what is happening, there is somebody at the other end of the equation making a fortune. And that's the way the City of London works. But surely it would seem in this day and age when you have um, at the very least a shaky prime ministerial reign going on, Liz Truss ought to be out front and centre explaining what is going on, and she's not. Nick Dubois here. Nick, what do you think? Well, good morning to you, Mike. This was the week that it was either going to go that much better Mm -hmm. or that much worse. And for two things. First, for for the parliamentary party and then for the city, which is what you're talking about. And everything that has happened over the last few days 
from government has been designed to calm the city. Mm. So the test now is, has it worked? This intervention is understandable. It's a five billion further intervention. Um, It is, as you absolutely nailed it, it's an independent uh, uh, intervention because they have these things called linked guilts, which is interest linked. It's, It's like seriously expensive debt racking up and they're stepping in to buy the guilts. A sensible move, I've no doubt about that. On yes. top of the other uh, intervention that they that is due technically to run out at the end of this week, mm. of course you should be hearing from the Prime Minister. But actually, the person who should be really on the front foot is the Chancellor. Yes. Not doing a Norman Lamont and coming out looking all harassed mm. as he did when we came out of the ERM yeah. all those years ago, but very calmly setting out his, if you like, his intention to have a plan. It's yes. too much to ask for now to actually well, say Well, I mean, yesterday we got the breaking news, mm. uh, which wasn't really breaking news to me, uh, that he was going to explain the plan that he has uh, mm. at the end of October. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. It's only, what, um, the second week of October, so we have to wait another two weeks for that. And yeah. I wouldn't be at all surprised if between now and then he changes the date for his explanation well, of the plan this is, again. This is this is the second change. Yeah. You might forget this, because there was, uh, during party conference, they said, oh, we're going to bring it forward. Then it was denied, and now it's coming forward. Uh, and uh, you, you're right, but that would now reek of more panic. Well, it and, would. And, and, of course, a government that's now having its economic credibility tested... Uh, let's not just by the public, mm. by the city. Yeah, that they're in danger of fanning the flames. But that's the problem. You know, why come out and say I'm going to do something, but I'm going to do it in two weeks? It reminds me of the jokes that David Letterman used to tell in America, where he said, "I've never understood uh, mm. this business uh, with the British and declaring war." When he was talking about the Falklands, he said, "We declare war on Argentina. We'll be there in two weeks." <laughs> you know, because it takes that long to get down there. You know, I don't understand why Quasi Quarto would have come out yesterday. What he should have said, surely, was, "You know, I will be appearing in the House of Commons." tomorrow uh, at which point i will answer questions uh from uh, on treasury matters and i will explain where it is that we're going to go instead of that he said in two weeks i'm going to come and talk to you about what my plan is it's not going to it's not going to because the the converse of that is i don't have a plan yet um and that that's the reality the obr are presumably working up their judgment that that that's going to be pretty crucial when all this comes out. Now, look, the reason is there's some people I talk to say, well, it's just the city doing its thing. This is actually... Which is partially true. It it is partially true, Mike. And you you illustrated why at the beginning of Mm. this. There's always winners and losers in the cities, whichever way it goes. But the problem is this really does affect things. Mm. I mean, you look at investment funds where your pensions Mm. are in. Well, the last time they intervened, it was to rescue some pension funds because the pension funds have been, shall we say, slightly reckless with some of their investments. Are hugely reckless, you know, and it's gone unnoticed. Mm. And we only find out about these things when actually there's there's a danger. What's happened here is that they've basically been gambling on things like interest rates uh, to meet future liabilities. And it's all gone to shot. So the Bank of England once again. Which is how the last financial crisis has happened, wasn't it? Because they, there, were pack- that, because they we? were packaging up these ridiculous risks, mm. splitting them up into a hundred different pieces, parceling them over here, putting them over there, uh, and lending money to people who couldn't afford to pay them back it, if the house price went down. Yeah, exactly. It's a deferred liability mm. and the bills come in far too early. Yeah. Now, I'm not a money Subprime person. mortgages, they called them, didn't they? <laughs> they were then, yeah, absolutely right. So so this does affect us. It affects mm. all of us. And you know, When the share prices and even the exchange rates change, this feeds through to yeah. pretty much uh, most aspects yes. of our lives, well, whether well, yeah. you realise it or not. Well, my point about why I think Liz Truss should be out there, not just the Chancellor, is because this is not about mm. just finance. This is about 
stability. It's about convincing people that you're the leader, that you know what's going on, that you're in control effectively. Because what we have here is a situation where until yesterday, the Bank of England had stopped buying back uh, the bonds, as far as I understand it, because they thought it stabilised. Suddenly yesterday it went a bit uh, to rack and ruin again. They decided to intervene some more. Um, but most people who are listening to this show and watching us right now on Talk TV don't really understand any of that. I mean, I don't really understand much of what goes no, on. No, I agree, city. and I'm with and, you. And all that. they see is the words um, stability. All they see uh, is, uh, you know, markets in at risk. They see those words and they panic. Well, you know, perhaps the simplest way of looking at this, this is how it could affect you, yeah. is that uh, yesterday one of the signals was we're now racking up $100 billion of interest payments that the government mm. owe, not least because some of the debt is linked to these things called gilts, yes. which is an IOU by the government right. to pay you interest if you lend them money, yeah. which is what's going it's a, on. It's a posh name yeah, for an IOU, Yeah, it's a very IOU, posh it? name, but it's also basically uh, linked to inflation mm. as well. So, yeah. so essentially the rates go up. Uh, if you're spending $100 billion on interest, Mark, that's more than we spend on education and defence yeah. and chucking something else, I right. think, as well. I mean, right. this is huge, what's right. going on. And again, the numbers are so big that most people can't really take it in. No. I mean, I don't know what that means. How much interest are you paying on a daily basis on $100 billion? I don't know. Yeah, well... Um, Where's I, it coming from? I, it, won't won't be, it won't be long before you have a little counter up behind you on this right. screen saying but, how but much but debt to bring it back to sort of reality and to the people who are, are uh, voters of this country mm. and the homeowners and, and the renters and the people who have jobs to go to every right. single day you know she should be giving them a message you're, you're absolutely right about nothing the, you're right about the leadership point and it's uh, it, it's 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 interesting that you've actually got this situation where you're talking about a vacuum invisible leadership yes the government will argue hang on we are working very hard mm. behind the scenes but of course if you're a leader it's about being visible yeah there there will be a debate going on uh, of actually if you go out there and say something are you fueling the mm. crisis? Is this a government yeah. panic? You know, there's a famous one that many listeners will and viewers will not um, uh, recall, which, of course, is Jim Callahan asked about a crisis mm. on a return from a conference. He came out and said something like, crisis, what yeah. crisis? Front page of the Daily and Mirror, it wasn't famously. long before he was out of right. office. Yeah, but so the point to, is that if you do it right, yeah. and if you are a proper politician with a mm. decent amount of communication skills... Um, you will do it right, but maybe that's why she's not doing it, because she may not be that person. Well, uh, it, let put it this way, it's a pretty testing role for someone <laughs> to do. But today should be, in my opinion, Chancellor Day. He's in front of that select committee. Yeah. If you have time on your hands and an inclination to watch it, I bet you you'll see the charts of the pound and the stock market mm. up against every time he speaks, mm. and people will be monitoring mm. if he's having any effect. It is that important what is happening in that select And here's the other thing that she's getting wrong, right? Um, um, because the, she's on a charm offensive apparently today. Ah, yes. And the charm offensive I asked earlier on about, um, and I'm told the charm offensive is with Tory MPs. Yes. Now, that gives another signal to us, the people, that basically her job, as far as she's concerned, is about shoring up confidence inside her own parliamentary party that they shouldn't make some kind of pooch against her and try and get her out. Well, it, it was That's not a great look either. No, no it's not. But then again, I, I when, when I knew I was coming on, to talk to you about this. I put out on Twitter, is is there a Prime Minister in recent times who has not launched a charm offensive to stabilise their own party? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the unique thing about this, it's only four weeks after she became right. leader and Prime Minister. So, look, charm offensives are one thing, and, and it may sway a few. But what Number 10 really have to do, and I heard Lord Barwell, Gavin Barwell this morning, former Chief of Staff yeah. to... Um, 
uh, Theresa May, May say this, when he said, actually, the principal job number 10 have to do is learn how to count, i.e., yeah. can they get their legislation Mind through? You, he wasn't very well, good at that. Well, I, I, was, I was going to say, uh, I just shouted a little bit at the screen yeah. and I said, well, Gavin, mate, that's the one thing yeah. you never learned with mm. Theresa May I mean, because how the, many times did the Brexit bill that you were trying to put through fail? Yes. It's because you couldn't count the numbers. But that aside... Yeah. The charm offensive is about trying to secure the numbers to get her legislation through. She's yeah. got fracking coming up. She's got benefits built. Mm. If she brings that yes. um, to the House, which right. I suspect she won't now, she's got a lot of things coming up, reforms coming yeah. up, that she needs the votes for. Yeah, absolutely right. But we'll come back to all of that. Nick Dubois is here. We've got plenty of questions for him. Uh, I would say to her, um, if you acted a bit more like Larry the Downing Street cat, <laughs> perhaps that might be the way to go and we'll tell you exactly why uh, coming up this is talk tv online on dab plus talk radio and talk tv welcome back to the independent republican mike graham right here on talk tv nick dubois is here former mp of course himself uh, author as well uh, confessions of a recovering mp and also your new novel how's the new novel fate, fatal ambition, fatal yes. ambition. well it's it, it's kind of did predict the kind of boris johnson i mean it's already it in real time the, isn't it it predicted the economic crisis <laughs> i'm beginning to think maybe yeah there was something this is in a it. book that nick wrote when boris johnson was prime minister and it talked about a period of time after he'd gone yeah that's and right so it's already like c- yeah. catching up with and itself. plots and leadership yeah, plots amazing and, the only thing we haven't had is murder well, uh, it's murder sometimes listening to Liz Trust talk, but that's another story. Um, now, sometimes um, you can find truth in something you weren't expecting. And sometimes uh, you can attach importance to something that you didn't know you were going to attach importance to. In this case, Larry the Cat, the Downing Street Cat, right, is in fact an allegory for what is going on right now in our political world. Larry the Downing Street Cat is famously lazy. If you're watching us right now, you'll see him on the screen. He spotted a fox inside Downing Street. Now he's going for it. The fox is trying to get away. The fox is hiding in the bush. Now he's gone for it, right? Look at this. Chases the fox down the street. Brilliant. Nobody's ever seen Larry doing this before. Larry is now so grumpy, right, that he's come out of Downing Street and he's decided to start stalking foxes. I mean, Nick, listen, there are so many comparisons yeah. to be made here. Maybe he's the he's the Praetorian guard now, yeah. defending Liz Truss yeah. and getting any anyone who shouldn't really mm. be in there, including some yes. of the cabinet, getting well, them out. Quite. I mean, there are some certainly some what I would call lightweight figures in that cabinet, it seems to me. And some of the former cabinet members and some of the sort of heavyweight Tories are, are, I'm told, not too happy with the way things are going. Well, well, let's, let's be clear. Uh, you know, we read in the papers every day about how disgruntled MPs are, and mm. we know this to be true for a couple of reasons. First of all, there is a charm offensive going mm. on. Um, and, you know, I've spoken to some, and, and I, you know, I, I back Liz Truss, mm. and I think the general, the, the growth agenda, and I think some of the moves she's put in place, frankly... We need to do them because we tried the consensus of the last 25 years and it's failed. Mm. But there have been huge mistakes and issues, as we know. Those are really troubling senior members. Take my word for it. I wouldn't breach the confidence of discussions. But there is sufficient uh, concern that some are basically writing off the government's prospects Mm. of the next election. Others, not necessarily all senior, by the way. Are, are genuinely mm. looking for jobs. Yeah. Uh, and it's Because you would, as wouldn't that. you? Self-preservation, well, apart you, from anything else. Is you, there anybody who says, for example, now, um, that if things financially do get worse and, and the pound or bonds or anything else falls off a cliff and interest rates go hugely through the roof, 
could a financial crisis cause what's happened in the past, certainly uh, the beginning of the end of a government and certainly the end of a chancellor? Well, look, first of all, I think that the, the, if the Tories want to guarantee their loss at the next election, then change your leader. If you want a chance of winning, you've really got to actually back Liz Truss's mm. agenda and programme, right. all right, even though we know it's a bit fluid at mm. the moment in places. But the, the unknown, as ever in politics, is events. And if you had a huge financial crisis, and, and that, 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 that could be the case. That, I mean, let's give some perspective, though, Mike, around the world, whilst we have partial self-inflicted wounds, yes. this is awful in a lot oh, of, of course. places. I mean, people keep okay. showing me pictures on, um, uh, on Twitter of huge queues for petrol in France. Yeah. Apparently there's a massive fuel Strikes crisis in, in France, France yeah. as well. You and know. nobody talks about that. No, and interest rates are going up in just about most places. Seven, uh, uh, the, the long-term interest rates in America are at 7%, Well, this all example. started because, because yeah. America put up the interest rates in the yeah. first place, right? Uh, well, they're aggressively putting yeah. their interest rates up, which has started the weakening of the pound, certainly. Mm. But obviously the government have landed themselves a self-inflicted blow here. And the MP's view is about economic credibility. Because mm. uh, even if everything went brilliant from tomorrow onwards and it started to improve, have the government lost economic credibility? Mm. If the answer to that is yes, then the election is in deep trouble for them. Yes. And, and they... But nobody can force an election, can they? Uh, I no, can't imagine you, you can't, why. No, constitutionally, you can only, uh, really, the Prime Minister is the only one who can call an election. She would only call an election, uh, really, if she felt, or, or she would use the threat of an election to bring MPs into yes. line. She will not want an election. I mean, she wouldn't do a sort of Ted Heath, you know, who's running the country style um, Well, uh, uh, not, not, not if you learn the lessons of Ted Heath. <laughs> uh, but there is another thing, though, to bear in mind about Liz Truss. She has a plan, mm. whether you like it or not. Everyone gets that she has a plan now. Yeah. most people even those not disengaged engaged in politics Keir Starmer's lot don't have a plan no. yet and and actually Margaret Thatcher although the Falklands obviously was a huge booster in 83 she was really unpopular until mm. then and everyone knew however she had a plan because they hated what she was doing yeah. but what she was doing was necessary and they they knew she had a plan yeah. now Liz at the moment has a plan it's in a bit of disarray it's under huge pressure from her own party the one, one two things can save her it might actually come good mm. in time Secondly, Labour remain without a coherent True. and plan. It, it really depends on um, how much time she has and, yeah. and how things go. I mean, is there any room for, shall we say, giving her the benefit of the doubt for a bit longer to say that she's been unlucky because her tenure uh, took place at a very, very difficult time for the economy and for the country, coming as it did mm. after a period of great sort of, you know, uncertainty? Yeah, I think, I think actually... The Tories have no choice. They should stick with Liz Truss. Now, this may that people will throw things at the radio when I say mm. that. But actually, if you're a Tory and you, yeah, wanna, but why wouldn't you though? Yeah, but 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 you'd be lunatic to not stick with yeah. the Prime Minister right. uh, for the simple reason you want to guarantee you've lost the next election. Have another change yeah. of leader. I mean, nobody wants. I don't think anybody more. wants that. Exactly. Apart from the Labour Party. Probably. Now, is that a good reason to stick with? Uh, yeah. Of course, that's not a good reason. Mm. But you know, the, the plan is there. Uh, look, I, I I totally accept a financial crisis that blows up could be costly. Yeah. It could have huge And the sense for me this morning in particular is that she's not in control of that. The other way of looking at this, and I don't say this as informed, uh, let the Chancellor take the flag. Mm. I mean, if you were Prime Minister, there, there's, 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 there's yeah. some logic in that. Well, certainly there have been opportunities for her to, to say good things about him and she hasn't said them. 
you know. Yeah, but I don't to... like that. I think this is a time to stick together. The cabinet must stick together, and and we've heard some remarkable stuff coming. Well, out they weren't the doing cabinet. that last week. Exactly, my you point. Know. We've heard some remarkable. I mean, stuff. What have we gone? Maybe four days uh, mm. without a cabinet member actually dismissing what the government's doing. But have you noticed <laughs> if if it wasn't the fact that the Bank of England intervention today, I'd be sitting here talking to you that saying. The parliamentary party and and the the, the ministers mm. are kind of in the we need to pull together mode. Yeah. We hate some are saying right. we hate this because I think they are finally yeah, understanding. They're sort of scuffing their shoes on the floor Ex- as they say exactly. It, you you've got right. the school picture yeah. perfectly there. Yeah. You know, grumble, grumble, grumble. Yeah. We're going to stick with it. Mm. So this bank intervention today, if if that doesn't go anywhere in the sense that it inflates more problems and they get through today, you might actually see more about an attempt to unify behind Mm. this, which, let me be clear, they should do. Yes, absolutely. Now, this will put things in perspective from Chris, who's tweeted it. He says, Morning, Mike. One of my investments, uh, and then he laughs out loud, is a small retirement fund from a previous employer that has reduced in value by 31% Mm. in recent weeks and months. No doubt the fund manager's concerned are still raking it in, though. Luckily, I'm not depending on it. I mean, that's a massive well, number. Th- th- when I said earlier, and I'm, I'm really pleased to hear, hear... No, I'm not pleased to hear that from Chris, but I'm, I'm kind of... That validates the point I'm making, mm. is this affects all of us. Uh, Chris, if it's any consolation to him, I looked at my investment I'm funds, not bothering. And honestly, I, it's horrible. Yeah. And uh, I sent a message to my wife and said, don't look at yours. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, mine's a pension. It's as simple as that. I don't have vast sums of money, but I don't even look... Well, I haven't looked at it since, mm. I don't think, last year. And, and this Thanks. is crucial. This is what we're going to live off. Now, yeah. the... And these are ordinary people's lives. Yeah, they are. But then again, you get data out today. We know about unemployment. It's low. Mm. All right. There's a lot of people in jobs that are not very profitable and they're supported by the state. But there's five million people who are not Mm. working. Yeah. And and actually, we look around. What's one of the reasons we're pushing up prices? Because there's a supply side problem with labour. Therefore, costs for labour are going up. It's hard to get things delivered. And yet we've got five million people who are not working. Now, yes. some of those... I, economically I accept, inactive. But but I'm talking about the economically yeah, inactive exactly. who've made a choice not to work. Exactly. And that uh, can't and, go and on. That can't go on. No. Uh, Nick, great to see you. Thank you very much indeed. Nick Dubois uh, with some fine words of wisdom. Larry the Cat for Defence Secretary says one message. Yeah, why not indeed? This is Talk TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Something else that we're watching very carefully, of course, is what's happening in Ukraine. Um, I do a, a weekly um, uh, video now with a man by the name of Hugh Andre. Um, he's a Soviet military expert, CEO of Force Select. It's called Putin's War. We put it out um, pretty much every week. Uh, we'll be recording one tomorrow. And obviously this week's uh, action will be all about what happened uh, since the Crimean Bridge was blown up. And what happened yesterday uh, in Kiev, amongst other places, where Russian missiles were fired into all sorts of civilian enclaves, including uh, the German consulate, I believe, at one point, which was hit. Innocent people being attacked mercilessly now by the Putin regime. Uh, Let's say hello to Hugh and find out what's happening. Hugh, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. We're looking at some pretty drastic and horrific pictures of um, a city on fire, effectively, a place which used to be a centre for tourism, a place where we know... Um, only probably, what, a year ago, people were walking around, sitting, having coffee, taking their kids to the park. Um, it's a horrific scene. Um, is this a sign that Putin is is moving into a new kind of um, chapter, if you like? I think, Mike, as we um, spoke on last week on Putin's war, this reaction was highly predictable. Mm. Um, I think you also have to remember that Putin's coming under a lot of pressure um, himself, internally 
so uh, a reaction was expected. But I think, again, it may well have that negative effect, or negative negative effect from his perspective, mm. in that you know we've seen the extremely brave, uh, resilient people of Ukraine pulling together, along with, of course, international support. Uh, and I believe this will just, you know, this will be another step in, in, in strengthening that resolve. And we see our prime minister today joining a, a virtual G7 meeting, which President Zelensky will be at. And, you know, I think we need to remember that Putin carried out these strikes in retaliation to the counteroffensive he was not expecting mm. and that counteroffensive has really been enabled that's that was enabled pretty much due to the support that ukraine continues um to receive uh from the west um and it's important that we maintain that support yeah there was a lot of conversations going on last night after some of that footage was viewed um by commentators saying, you know, is it not time now to, for us to do something else, to do something more? Because if Putin continues this onslaught, there's going to be a lot of innocent lives lost. Yeah, I mean, let's put it in perspective. He fired about 80, circa 80 missiles and circa 40, 43 were shot down. Mm. Um, to date, the UK has supplied six what are called MLRS, multi-launch rocket systems, mm. to Ukraine. Um, the U.S. The U.S. was very concerned about supplying um, air defense systems and counter artillery systems because we have to remember the one thing we don't want. It may it may well be uh, acceptable to to down missiles mid-flight above Ukraine. Mm. I, I know that one of the U.S. concerns was what happens if. US missiles, Western missiles start actually flying the other way into Russia. Mm. And that could be create a problem. Now, um, fortunately, the Germans have stepped in. The Germans have an, a, an excellent system. Um, it's a vehicle mounted system called Iris. Uh, we have a photograph here um, of the system. It's, it's vehicle mounted, so it can okay. be moved around. One of those can protect a city, Mike. Yes. Um, That's amazing. It's a sort of upgrade on the old Patriot missile system they had in... Yeah, uh, well, this system... um, This system's missiles can reach up to an altitude of 20 kilometres. That's 12 miles. Yeah. And and it will reach out to a distance of 40 kilometres. Now, they were meant to have arrived in June. Um, Due to uh, recent activities, it's... The German uh, Chancellor and uh, Minister of Defence have um, stated that the first system will be arriving within days, mm. and then another three to follow. So that's you know that's positive news, and that will go a long way to protecting Ukrainian cities from uh, um, these sort of ballistic missiles mm. that the Kremlin is firing at Ukraine. Yeah, and so is this something that you expect to see? repeated would you say like in the coming days or is that a sort of one-off warning shot from putin i expect to see it repeated yes um i think you have to remember the cursed bridge which as we'll you know we'll discuss tomorrow the the cursed bridge Mm. uh was opened by putin as he 
opened it to great fanfare, driving over it in a lorry, etc. And, and the damage caused really would have hurt his pride significantly. Um, that that was a big statement, and and not the first one, by the way, to show that the Ukrainian special forces have the ability to strike, mm. you know, in Russian territory. Yeah, because that was a very surgical um, explosion, wasn't it? I mean, that in order to take that out in order to make sure that, uh, you know, they actually dislodged part of the bridge into the water. I mean, that is a specialist operation. Yeah, Mike, if I was if I was commanding that operation, I'd see that as a failure. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. Why? What should, um, they, what should they have done? I'll tell you why. And I spoke with a, a, a military engineer about it earlier this week. That, that target should have been destroyed. Hmm. Um, and it's just been disabled. And the, the train it has a, a, a railway system going across it, which is still operating. Mm. So they can still move through, they can move supplies by train. Mm. If you want to uh, destroy, incapacitate a target like that, you have to take it out structurally from below. Mm. And the, the individual I spoke to said there are three. It has it's held up by vert concrete, reinforced concrete, um, vertical structures. Mm. Three of those should have been blown with very specially charged, specially shaped charges below the water, uh, and that would have taken it out completely mm. rather than just disabling it. Interesting. So, okay. Well, listen, we'll talk more about that tomorrow because we'll have a bit more yeah. time to do it. Good to speak to you, Hugh. I'll see you tomorrow for another edition of Putin's War. You, Andre, the Soviet military expert, CEO of Force Select. We talk to the people who know what they're talking about here at Talk TV. That's what makes us different from everybody else. We don't just give you what we think you should hear. We tell you everything. And this is, of course, the one place where you get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It's Talk TV. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. This is, of course, Talk TV, the one place to be. Uh, we've got lots and lots and lots and lots of things to talk about this morning. Uh, the original first hour of the show, I was asking where Liz Truss is. I know that uh, that's a sort of refrain quite often uh, that commentators say about politicians. But in this case, I think it's actually true. I don't normally get in any way hysterical. I don't normally call for politicians to do anything in particular. Uh, in fact, the less they do, sometimes the better. But I think in the circumstances, with the Bank of England once again intervening in the financial markets in order to stave off some kind of economic collapse, surely she might come out and just say a word or two to calm everybody down. Maybe that's why she's not doing it. Maybe it wouldn't have that effect at all. But Liz Truss, as the Prime Minister, I think should be front and centre out there, like Larry the Cat, chasing away the fox, making sure that everybody feels reasonably safe in their beds. Don't you think? Laura Dodsworth is here. Very good uh, morning to you. Good Nearly morning. said afternoon. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you very much. Very good. Are you feeling um, chipper? Are you feeling confident? Are you feeling um, forlorn? Are you feeling... Anguished. I never come in feeling forlorn and anguished. Good. For a start, I walk in, I see you, we have a big smile, we have we have our great off-air chats. I'm, in, I'm chipper, I'm Good. always chipper. Um, not really very cognizant of where Liz Truss is mm. either, but actually, to be honest, that's the way I like it. Yes. I don't think it's a PR job. I'd rather she's busy in number 10. Stay out of my life. Yeah, she, no, no, not that. She should be busy. No, it's not, it's, it shouldn't be such a public-facing role. You know, get no, I get that. But I just think that when there's an economic sort of, you know, problem, 
people do worry. I mean, people are worried about their mortgage rates. People are worried about the cost of living. People are worried about whether they can afford to uh, have a pension which is not going to collapse on them. Um, and I just wonder at certain times, she sh- you know, I, I'm like you. I don't think she should come out every five minutes and make a statement. But I think on this... She should be a bit more visible. And actually, with the way, though, that so many crises are so confected, actually, the Prime Minister could spend her time running around responding to fear that's whipped up by the media on an hourly basis. Actually, I think she should um, put in regular but not too frequent appearances. Okay. Well, I'm not going to change any on that one. Let's talk about Marvel instead. Comics. Comic books. Let's talk about comics. Yeah, Yeah. so... um, I just found this so astonishing, and I'm just going to say it putrid, that I had to write about it this week. Yeah. Because um, I don't know if you've watched any of the Marvel Avengers films. Terri- Unfortunately, I have watched almost all of them with okay. my kids. So I've watched them with my kids yeah. too. I'm not a massive fan, but I quite like them. I'm more of a fan of Thor, I'll be honest. It's funny you should say that. A lot yeah. of women that I know quite like <laughs> Thor. I can't imagine what it is. I, I don't know. It's a I mystery. bet you hated the one where he became fat and drunk, though. I didn't watch that. Mm. I'm not watching that. Yeah. How dare they do that to yeah. Thor? Some form of social engineering going on, I think. <laughs> um, so what's happened is Pfizer has sponsored a comic yeah. with Marvel right. using Avengers characters. That's the very star- clever, isn't it? No, it is not. Mm. There's a star character who's a granddad and he's in a waiting room waiting for his jab. And then (gasps) Ultron attacks and the um, Avengers have to come in and swoop in and help. And there he is. God, that's ridiculous looking. We're yeah. just looking at the, uh, the actual oh, comic Oh, there book. it is. And some people have pointed out that actually he looks a bit like Bill Gates or Fauci, which is kind of... Which well, is all, which is, which There is are masks funny. involved as well. I, there's there's I a see. few things... Yeah, there's a few things I don't really like about this. First of all, I mean, this is much less superhero and a lot more super lame. I think, you know, whatever you want to say about someone's personal choice to have the vaccine or whether it reflects civic duty mm. or not, it doesn't because the vaccine doesn't stop transmission... The fact is that Band-Aids and old men's arms are not very superhero-ish. No. You know, this is not Thor with his muscular arms and hammer. It really not. And they better stay away from um, Thor's <laughs> muscular arms and hammer as well, I'm telling you. Maybe Thor's an anti-vaxxer. You never know. <laughs> Maybe he is. He is, after all, a god. He wouldn't need a vaccine, no, would he? he wouldn't. But I think that the problem with this collaboration is, um, first of all, it kind of kills creativity. Mm. If you feel that they're they're just up for hire from any old pharmaceutical yeah. company, it doesn't make the stories feel very real and zingy. And I think there's going to really be an impact on the brand. I think it's very brave of mm. them. It's very confident to mix up their brand yeah. with a new pharmaceutical. I mean, after all, you know, there are adverse effects. Every adverse effect might puncture the allure of the superheroes yes. in children's in children's in children's eyes and. There's this really strange difference across the states as well. You know, Marvel's probably, um, you know, the offices are probably all in California, aren't mm. they? And in, in California, they wanted to bring in a bill to make the COVID vaccines compulsory for yes. school children, right. which they scrapped. But look at the other side of the states over in Florida. Florida yeah. They don't even recommend these vaccines for children. Mm. So for healthy children without other underlying conditions, they say don't get them vaccinated. It's no wonder, is it, that people are so confused by all of this? Well, it is It is confusing, and there's another reason for the confusion, which is, I think, the saturation of propaganda in entertainment. Mm. But just, I mean, just to finish on this, I think there is a real risk for it literally being damaging to the brand. First of all, because it's just boring and mm. lame, mm. but also I think that over time, as ad- adverse effects stack up in people's minds when they hear about them, I think it's going to have a negative... It's going to be super damaging, yeah. basically, for the Marvel brand. I wonder if it will be something that they wish they hadn't done at some point and it just gets quietly forgotten. 
and it kind of disappears from trace because you can't imagine it becoming something that's really popular, can you? Well, it's, of course it's not really popular, but then it's still the onus is on us not to let them forget. Mm. They sold their they sold their brand yes. to promote a vaccine. Yeah. It's really quite tragic. Mm. The problem is there's really nothing new about this. There's been some freedom of information um, requests published by Judal, Judicial Watch Incorporated mm. in the United States. Right. And what that shows is the US government has actually done this huge media blitz on the vaccines. You know, they invited script writers for major entertainment brands to work the vaccine into stories. Yeah. You might have noticed it happened in a number of series, you know, across both sides of the pond. Um, they asked Disneyland Parks... Um, um, major sports leagues, major media brands, TV programmes, Hispanic entertainment mm. networks, Catholic newspapers and newsletters. You know, the list goes on. Yeah. They've asked them all to support the vaccine message, which is why it felt so saturated. Yeah. You know, for the last couple of years, everyone's talking about the vaccine because the US government was pushing it so yeah. hard with entertainment brands. Because you can imagine the, the room, can't you, where they're all sitting there going, this is what we need to do. Uh, we need to get celebrities to endorse it. We need to get the narrative into yeah. ordinary books. You know, like you read a novel and somehow there it is and you look at a Marvel comic and there it is. I'm surprised they didn't get somebody to make a song about it. You know, I spoke to somebody... Kanye West, maybe. I don't think he'd do it, but I spoke to I spoke to somebody behind the scenes as part of my research for a state of fear who said to me, "Yeah, the kind of conversation you have in the room is if we had a pandemic, you know, who would we help encourage black and ethnic minorities to take up the vaccine? Oh, we'd ask Lenny Henry." Right. When I saw Lenny Henry in a video, you know, after the vaccine launched, I was like, "Well, there you go." Yep. You know, all these conversations mm. happen, and we know that it's not just the US. We know it happens here in the UK as well. We've talked before on this show about that report between the government Nudge Unit and Sky, where they talked about how entertainment has been used for um, behaviour change, improving public health, but also boosting gender equality and reducing violence. Mm. And they talk about how that's been done historically. The key word there is historically. What they're telling you is there's been an unofficial relationship between government and between media brands historically in order to create social change mm. so yes they've done it with the do you think that's true well. though or do you think they just say that because it makes it sound like here's something that we've done before uh, and so this is nothing new no there's lots there's lots of cases really? there's lots of evidence about it you should, how have i been manipulated but, tell me i want to know now okay all right well some i think that the way it happens has changed a little bit um it's happened with films in hollywood much more than people know but mm. let me give you an example of public health messaging which yeah. would be more similar do you remember nicotine nicotine team was a character that yes. was created within the Batman world yeah. in order to encourage young people not to smoke. I mean, in one sense, it's kind of hard to argue with such mm. a worthy aim. We really don't want young people growing up smoking, do we? But something was yeah, very guess different. Guess what? They're going to do it anyway. <laughs> They're going to do it anyway. Yeah, no lame, no lame cartoons going to stop you them. Know. But something that was different about that was it was put within the context of an adver- advertisement. Mm. And then it's subject to the regulatory framework of advertising. Yeah. It's very different to... Um, using soap operas. Now, you say, do they do this? Yes, yes they do. Mm. The soap operas during COP26 all had converging storylines on climate. Yeah. And they talked about it quite publicly. And that's why nobody watches them anymore, because they've become so bleeding woke. You know, EastEnders used to have 20 million viewers. And Kevin and I talk about this quite a lot, Kevin and Sullivan. You know, they used to have 20 million viewers on a regular basis. Now it's down to about, I don't know, three or four. And they're always putting in these ridiculous storylines to try and push something or other, you know. 
Absolutely. So nobody wants to watch a soap opera to be preached to. And you don't turn to superheroes to see an old man with a plaster on his arm getting a vaccine. No. It's, it's not what we're going to the entertainment for. So ultimately, if you don't connect with it, if it doesn't create a magical bridge between mm. the, the character and your heart, you're going to switch off. Yeah. So yes, falling viewing figures. No surprise because yeah. people don't be preached to. Uh, Russell T. Davies said recently that Doctor Who is going to be used to push climate themes, oh climate messaging, presumably because he himself is a really big believer in the um, you know, anthropogenic climate change and the measures necessary well, a, to he, tackle he it. He is a fiction writer, isn't he? He's a, <laughs> Luckily. You always see what you do there. So, yeah, we do. We know it absolutely does happen. It's just finding out, finding the examples, mm. um, the evidence, yeah. and the reporting to prove it happens. This is a very straightforward it's example tragic, of sponsorship. You were right when you said that. It's just tragic. You know, have some individuality. You know, have some creation, proper creativity. Do something, you know, the arts used to be something that was anti-establishment to me. You know, that's one of the reasons you like, you know, punk music. One of the reasons you go and watch, mm. you know, interesting plays because they don't run the government's narrative. What's happened to people? Well, the thing is, everything's swapped around. Yeah. Like, there's been a lot of criticism for the um, arts, for Arts Council England yeah. recently because um, it's been suggested that the artwork they're supporting is too woke and politically mm. motivated. So the anti-establishment people become the establishment um, and they make it the establishment yeah. and then it becomes it becomes alienating. Yeah, yeah well, so then there's, it's just there's a lot of this going on. But creativity has to come from somewhere really profound within. Mm. It can come from happiness, it can come from pain, but it doesn't come from sponsorship. It really and doesn't. And it certainly doesn't come from behavioural scientists. And it certainly doesn't come from nodding along to a narrative that somebody else tells you is the narrative you should be nodding along to. That ain't art to me. I mean, what kind of idiot sat around in a room and went, oh yeah, let's, um, let's get a granddad to be vaccinated yeah. and preach and moralise to children in the waiting room mm. as some superheroes fly around and do their thing? Who thought that would work? Because they think, I guess, that that will normalise it for people who read comics. Which, maybe it will, but I mean, it's not working for me. I don't read comics anyway. Still, uh, we've got to talk about more American stories. Uh, Midwives as well coming up. Birthing people, uh, as opposed to actually mothers and fathers. Um, Laura Dosworth is here. Um, I might ask you a couple of other questions as well about the economy but uh, I'll let you know about that. Uh, this is the Independent Republican, Mike Gray. We'll take more of your calls, of course, as well. 0344 499 1000. The merry band of eco-protesters taking time off from having their skis waxed and generally being a right pain in the backside while they campaign to make sheep and cows extinct remind me of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory's Veruca Salt stamping her foot and demanding a golden goose now. None of these workshy fops can be argued with. No one is allowed to... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. ...of a different point of view, but however loud and often their drivel is shouted, it doesn't make it true. 
That is a great uh, text from Graham in Manchester. Well said. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, this is Talk TV. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Laura Dodsworth is here, author, uh, journalist, raconteur, also <laughs> appearing at the Battle of Ideas, I understand. Up yeah. against me. Oh, it's been very badly timed, this, this, isn't it? Badly timed because I'd have loved to come to yours. Yes. So unfortunately, we clash. We're not going to be able to watch each other. Never in mind. But the Battle of Ideas is a very cool event. We're yeah. both at it this weekend. Lots of free thinking, free speech. Yeah, we gave some tickets away to it yesterday. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of people down yeah. there. There's a lot of really good people speaking as well, in addition to you and I. Um, Catch me at 10:15. Yeah, or me. <laughs> or maybe or hover between the two. Mm. You can probably Walk do both. Walk into mine, you won't leave, but, no. you know, it's well. fine. OK, then. Let's talk about the Florida Surgeon General. What's going on with him? Yeah, well, this is interesting because this story really juxtaposes what they were saying about um, Marvel and California. So in Florida, um, you might know already they don't recommend the COVID vaccines for 17 and under right. because they say that there's no need for healthy children to have this vaccine because most of them have had COVID already yeah. and there are some risks attached. Um, but they've gone a bit further. Mm. They are now not recommending the mRNA vaccines for 18 to 39-year-olds. Right. And the reason for that is it um, is linked, according to the Florida State surgeon, to an increase in cardiac deaths as well as an increase in myocarditis mm. um, in that age group. So they're saying also, especially who have people who have... Um, any heart conditions, they need to take special caution. Now, they have produced, um, I gather, a very robust study to back up what they're saying. Um, and we're the, just looking at a tweet that was put up yeah. by Joseph Ladapo, MD, PhD, who is the Surgeon General. He's the General. State Surgeon yeah. General. Right. Now, the amazing thing is that Twitter took it upon themselves to remove his tweet, and it's now been reinstated. And this is the incredible thing about Twitter. Right. They think they know more than doctors or scientists yeah when those doctors or scientists go against the COVID dogma. Mm. You know, there are certain precepts that you just can't challenge at yeah. all. For instance, that the vaccine is safe and effective. Now, mm. the Florida State General has said, you know, there are people of certain age groups who they, you know, they still recommend the vaccine for, but not this age group, yeah. not men right. and not children because of their assessment of the balance of risks and harms. Mm. So um, it was quite incredible, to be honest, to see uh, the, the state Surgeon General's tweet being removed Luckily, it was reinstated. And I mean, this is the trouble, isn't it, with social media companies? And we've been talking about this for a long time. We've been Mm. talking about it this week with regards to all sorts of people being banned and other things going on. And they are nonsensically kind of driven by these algorithms. And if they see something that they think is wrong, they just put it in the bin. There's no no conversation about it. There's no process. It just gets banned. Yes, although it'd be a mistake to think it's just algorithmic. It's algorithmic. I think it's also driven by people within the social media companies who have certain ideological and political biases. Totally. And we but also I, what I mean by that is I think they set up the algorithms ideologically. Quite possibly. And they also have an unofficial relationship with government. As we know, our own government ministers have said they get on the phone to the social media companies to ask them to take down content, which is legal but considered harmful. That's something I'll be talking about the way the way at the Battle of Ideas on mm. Saturday, this unofficial relationship between government and social media. So, um, yeah, this is we've got this we've got these very different um, levels of advice about the vaccine around the world. Another reason for the Marvel and Pfizer collaboration yeah. to look so risky for the brand, yeah. I think. I mean, I'm beginning to think guidance uh, is the work of the devil. 
right? Now, I know that might be a strong no. way of putting it, but no. I'm sick to death of guidance. People mm-hmm. are giving us guidance about everything. Here's what you should do. Here's what you should think. Here's what you should say. The latest is the guidance being given to schools, isn't it? about the old transgender situation. Well, so this is a proposal um, which originates with the, um, the NEU, the Teachers' Union, and their trans and non-binary network have put forward some recommendations, some guidance, um, which is supposed to um, respect the rights of trans people. But it's really quite problematic guidance. It says there should be no debate about trans identities, um, trans history, trans ideology. It says it's transphobic even to discuss the idea of contagion when it comes to transgenderism. Now, you know, there's a a peer-reviewed paper by Dr Lisa Littman into rapid onset gender dysphoria, which posits that part of the spread, especially among young teenage girls, has been caused by well-understood mechanisms of um, social contagion Mm. which spread through social media and among peer groups so they want to ban people talking about new scientific developments that might disrupt transgender ideology where this gets so dangerous i think is if a woman discussing her rights is transphobic that's part of this Mm. proposed guidance then basically you're saying women's rights are over if you can't discuss women's rights as being sex-based then women don't have any sex-based right. rights. It's profoundly harmful. And I think when you think this is um, this would be taking place in schools, it's even more worrying. You know, are these schools places of learning or are they factories of stupid? Yes. And if you ever start a conversation with the words, there can be no debate about this, you're already down a bad place, aren't you? You're in a bad alley- alleyway, uh, which is just a, a cul-de-sac of darkness. And you, they, why can you not talk about things? It's ludicrous to say that. Same as the climate maniacs who say there is no longer any debate. That was actually said, I think, by um, the UN panel on climate change. You know, Everybody agrees. Well, everybody doesn't agree. And nobody agrees on everything. And why would you ever want to live in a world where you can't debate anything? Yeah, that kind of totalism is very dangerous. Yeah. And, and the older I get, the more I believe that the only way really to deal with bad ideas, if you consider them bad, has to be through education, yeah. debate, and sunlight, make somebody and, 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 and lambast it if you want. Yeah. You know, like like in the in the in the tradition of political cam, cam cartoons, you know, mock it, but don't try and shut it out. For one thing, you create the Streisand effect. And also there's some there's some other awful awful guidance. It turns out that midwifery degrees that have started more guidance. Yeah, yeah. midwifery degrees that have started this autumn are favouring the language um, birthing people above women (sighs) and mothers. Um, And we've read about this in The Telegraph. The Telegraph's reported it today. They've seen various documents and course guides. But one of your producers here, his sister's actually taking a midwifery Mm. degree. And we were talking about it and she confirmed, yes, you know, the language has changed Mm. to birthing people. We were just talking last week, weren't we, about um, trigger warnings yes. at freshers' fairs mm. and the fact that universities are becoming cere- seminaries of, mm. of woke yeah. you know, or factories of stupid. Yes. It's interesting, isn't it? We've got this education and also within birth. And both of these experiences are really profound and they're really imprinting and they're trying to completely shut down discussion mm. about sex. Yeah. Now, if I, as a pregnant woman and a mother and a breastfeeder had been called a birthing person mm-hmm. and, or a chest feeder I'd have been really confused I wouldn't have known who they're talking no. to and I'd have felt really disrespected yeah. as a woman actually to be reduced to biological function that yes. way it really is dreadful 
hopeless. And, you know, the idea that we're supposed to speak in a certain way or think in a certain way, you know, I don't even really know where this all began, do you? I don't, I don't really know where it's all begun, but I think that the people who are supporting it now actually stand to be quite embarrassed mm. in the future because it is plainly a nonsense. You know, when you can find me a man who's got pregnant and had, you know, given birth... Oh, they'll then find I'll, you then, No, they won't be able to, sorry. They but will because no. they'll say that's a man who had a baby. It's biologically a woman, though. Yes. Bi- she's biologically female. So find me an actual man who's pregnant and gives mm. birth and then we'll have the conversation. But until then, it's just... It's just it's just nonsense. You know, these people that are supporting it will say nothing because they, they lack the courage and yeah. their conviction or they don't want to go against the crowd. You know, ultimately, they, they look like the people in the crowd who didn't want to point out mm. that the emperor was naked. Yeah. And you know, you know who the hero of the story is? It's the little boy, little boy. who says the emperor's wearing no yeah. clothes. Right. Can I ask you one final question? Okay. Why do you need a degree in midwifery? Well, I, 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 it's like doing a nursing degree, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, but you don't need one of those either. I think you do. Didn't used to. I think no, but I think they've invented do. this nursing degree, oh. and they've invented a midwifery degree. My question is partially rhetorical. Yeah, I was going to say can, I don't think I can answer. You can this become one. a midwife, and you used to be able to become a midwife without a degree. You used to, you know, similarly, you used to be able to have uh, a job as a nurse without a degree, but now you need one, and that's the problem. It seems to me. Well, I don't know. I can't answer that. There might there might be very good reasons about it, but let's think about the word midwife. It means with woman, yes. and it's, and well, it's it a word last, we've had. It? It's a word we've had for many, many hundreds of years, and now we're taking the woman bit out of it. Madness. Madness, indeed. Laura, good to see you. Thank you very much yeah. indeed. See you on Saturday see at the there. Battle of Ideas. Except we'll be on at the same time. So we won't actually see each other, but we might have coffee afterwards. Um, let's get some news headlines as Talk TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 0344-499-1000 is the number. Let's talk to Julian Jessup, uh, independent economist, because as I was saying this morning, um, Liz Trust really should be out front telling the people of this country what is going on, telling the people why the Bank of England have decided to intervene once again uh, uh, to to stop a risk of uh, financial instability. People will be concerned about this. Let's find out what's going on. Julian, a very good morning to you. Good morning. So uh, the Bank of England have intervened once more. We were told sort of at the back end of last week that they'd stopped buying back bonds because they didn't feel they needed to anymore, that the market had sort of stabilised. And that went a bit wrong again yesterday. What's the situation? Well, it's really, really frustrating because actually there's quite a lot of positive stories about the UK economy at the moment. So uh, the latest data, for example, unemployment is, is very low. You know, job security is high. The labour market is tight. Um, and also the government has provided an enormous amount of support at, at great public expense uh, to people to tide them over the winter in terms of the energy price guarantee and, and various top ups to, to benefit. So mm. there are lots of things to be positive about. But unfortunately, um, confidence is extremely fragile. We're seeing that in you know, consumer confidence is at record lows. Business confidence is, is weakening. And on top of that, we now have uh, weakness in, in financial markets as well. So investors are are very nervous. And I think one of the obvious things that the government has got wrong so far was some of the details of the of the mini budget, particularly the unexpected cut in the, uh, in the highest rate of income tax that has spooked investors. Yeah. And it's proving very hard even for the Bank of England with you know, potentially unlimited firepower uh, to get investors comfortable buying UK mm. government bonds at sensible prices. But the other undercurrent here that we've discovered, Julian, is that some pension funds have been mm. playing a bit fast and loose with some of their investments. And so they had to be rescued and stopped from going bust effectively because they're a bit overstretched. 
I think that's right. I think the the blame for this needs to be shared around a bit more. I mean, clearly the you know the the mini budget I think had some mistakes in it that have contributed to the nervousness. But uh, there are other factors at play as well. I mean, there's a there's the global backdrop where you know interest rates are rising sharply everywhere. There's been you know just as sharp a rise in mortgage rates in the US, for example, as there has been in the UK. Um, but in addition, we seem to have suffered more than other countries from this problem in the way that, you know, pension funds manage their books. And um, I think you need to look there, at, you know, who manages these, who regulates these pension funds. And it's, you know, usual cast of characters. The Bank of England is involved, the uh, Financial Conduct Authority and also the pensions regulator. Mm. So there seems to be a particular problem in the way that we've been regulating our pension funds, which has meant that you know, the, the sell-off here has been bigger than in other countries. Yes, exactly right. Which means even more to me that the, the Prime Minister should be sort of making some kind of public announcement. You know, I'm not asking for, for her to come out and hold everybody's hand mm. and reassure everybody every time there's, you know, a little jump in the markets. But I think on a day like today, when most people, as I always say, um, don't really understand the money markets, they don't really know what goes on in the City of London, but they do know their pensions might be at risk and they do know their mm. mortgages might go up i just think it would be a good idea even if she came out and said some of the things you're saying that there are some good things to say about the economy and the reason we are doing this is because of that well i think there certainly has been a sort of wider communications problem uh within government since liz trust became prime minister but i'm slightly wary of encouraging politicians to come out and, and comment on the markets i mean this is you know very very technical stuff and there's always a risk that you say something that gets misinterpreted yeah um so i think rather than commenting on the on the markets i think as you say they should be commenting on the yeah on the i'm yeah i'm not asking for specialist out. market commentary i'm asking for kind of you know cool uh, cool heads and people to be, re you know, a sort of reassuring mm. um, nod, if you like, just to say, look, everything's fine. Because it looks to me, and it, you may have a different view, that it's all kind of spiralling out of control. Uh, and that if it does return to normal, it won't be anything because of anything the government's done. It'll just mm. be because the markets have returned to normal. So, you know, when you see the optics of it, it looks as though Liz Truss is not in control of our finances. Well, I, I, I share that concern as well. And in particular, there seem to be a lot of very dangerous narratives that are sort of gaining ground in the in the media. So, for example, earlier this morning, we had the Institute for Fiscal Studies suggesting that the only way that the government's going to be able to balance the books is with massive cuts in, in public spending, which is just sort of adding to the uncertainty in the economy. And I think you know, people should be pushing back more against that. Um, but it's hard to do when we're still several weeks away from the um, medium term fiscal plan that the mm. government needs to produce. And there's still a lack of official analysis from the Office for Budget Responsibility of the numbers. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's only so much that, that politicians can do. I mean, the sooner we get some sort of hard facts out there, you know, proper medium term fiscal plan in particular, I think the better. Mm. And so what's your sort of um, projection, say, for the next week? Are we going to see more intervention, do you think, from the Bank of England? Is it going to calm down, settle down a bit? Oh, it's very hard to say. I mean, yes, yesterday was really worrying because the, the the markets were selling off, even though there were some potentially good pieces of news out there. So that the bringing forward of the the fiscal plan and the mm -hmm. announcement of additional Bank of England support um, today, so far at least, things seem to be a bit calmer. So, you know, government bond yields are, are pretty much flat today. The pound's mm -hmm. fairly stable. So, uh, it's going to be a very sort of volatile, I think, you know, few days and weeks. But that's the sense, isn't it? That's the sense. I, the sense I have is that you know they wake up in the morning, some of these traders and go let's have a let's have a bit of fun today and away they go they'll make a few quid and they go home uh, back to their big houses in surrey and then today they're kind of having a bit of a day off 
Well, I think it's an important point there that you know, markets are very volatile yeah. and we need to be wary of reading too much in sort of big swings from, from, from day to day. And I suspect that the markets will come da- calm down. But there is a danger that in the meantime, that uncertainty has real effects on the economy. Mm. So we've seen the turmoil in the mortgage market in, in particular. And, you know, um, a bit of volatility in financial markets can have big knock on effects on things that really matter to, to households. If they, it looks like their mortgage rates are going to go to the moon, then that has a big impact on the economy. So even though markets tend to overreact, and I think recently they have been overreacting in the, you know, negatively, mm. um, that still has a, an impact on the economy that we need to be wary of. Yes, absolutely right. Julian, thank you very much indeed. Julian Jessup, independent economist there. There's a lot of volatility in the market. We know that. We know that, you know, the market isn't crashing anytime soon. However, I still think Liz Trust needs to be out front talking about it, telling us why we shouldn't worry about it. But she ain't doing it. Some people think I'm wrong. Uh, you may be one of them. Let us know. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk TV. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic and Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. You know that uh, here at the Independent Republic, we keep our eyes on a great many things. Not only uh, do we keep our eye on politicians. Uh, I had a very interesting chat with Ian Blackford actually last night, uh, hoping to get him on the show soon. I ran into him uh, over in our TV studios in West London. And uh, we had quite an interesting debate about one or two things. But anyway, never mind that. We'll come back to him. Uh, We also like to keep our eye on the culture wars of things that go on. Um, You know, different things that emerge that people like to do. Different sporting activities that people uh, start enjoying. You know, different activities that people start doing uh, for leisure. We also occasionally cast our eyes across the world of fashion. Because it's very important uh, that we keep up with all the trends uh, that we know about. Okay. And once again, it has caught my eye that there is a new game in town. The new game in town is a bag. But it's not just any old bag. Uh, it ranges in price from about 700 to 900 pounds. It's a resin bag. Um, and it's made by J.W. Anderson. It's 3D printed, right? That's how cool it is. And it's actually the, about the size of a pigeon, right? Now... <laughs> not only shut up not only um is it the size of a pigeon it actually is a pigeon it's a bag that looks like a pigeon and you, the design is, is is so that you carry it around with you and it's big enough to hold a phone and a small wallet and not much else maybe a packet of polos now i've been looking around for um an, uh, an example of this pigeon bag right but i think we finally found one we scoured far and wide to see if we can find one. It's quite hard to get hold of this bag, but you know where you have to look to find this stuff, and that's why we've got a crack team here of people, um, and they've investigated the internet. And here's the picture we found. The pigeon bag. And there it is. James Max has got one of these. He's our early morning presenter, of course, 5 a.m. every day. He's got one. He's a very fashionable guy. He's the guy that had the um, the very fashionable... Balenciaga shoes, you might remember. He's now got one of these pigeon bags from J.W. Anderson, 3D printed. No zip, no clasp. You just open it up by lifting the pigeon's right wing. How ironic. Because he's not even that right wing, is he, James? I think he voted Remain. Anyway, never mind. Uh, So, well done, James. Thank you very much indeed. He'll be back on at 5am tomorrow. Uh, Now, however, even more information has come my way. Um... Because our producer Aaron is with us. Aaron, yeah. 
How are you? Welcome back. Thank you. You haven't been here since the last time you were the here, last fiasco, which no. didn't go too well. So well, I'm happy to be here. I'm hoping that uh, this time you'll manage to do this without swearing, Absolutely, if you yes. can. Yes. Now, there's a story going on. You know how I don't like people working from home. There's a story now doing the rounds that actually, never mind working from home, you should actually now be working from the pub because lots of people are now saying it's too expensive to work from home. You have to keep the heating on, the lights, you know, the electricity bill's getting too high. So instead of that, let's all just go and work from the pub. So we sent you to the pub yesterday. The horseshoe in. To do some work. The talk radio pub, yeah. Um, Because we thought we'd see if you could come up with any ideas and see how productive it would actually be down there. So so why should I start off with why I thought it was a bad idea to go to the pub in the first place? Well, that's not really for you to say, is it, when you get sent on an assignment? Well, that's true. Well, I was. That's like saying, oh, I thought it was a bad idea to be sent on a story. Well, it was just, there's many a distraction at the pub. The main one being beer, which I had had copious amounts of. But we did come up with three ideas. You don't have to drink in the pub, you know. You can have soft drinks. No, it's true. But you don't have to be at the pub in the first place, really. Well, you don't have to be. But for some people, it's a good place to be. Not for me. All right. So what ideas did you come up with? Although I did, exactly. I came up with some ideas. Right. First one being, and these mainly for the Independent Republic of Mike Grome, the first one we thought of, I thought of, was... A little segment I like to call All Mike on the Night. All Mike on the Night. Which is basically just worrying. an evening of shows on Talk TV hosted by no one but Mike Graham. <laughs> from from 6am until... We already do that though. I guess so. I think now is the time for us to just fully take over. We're slowly doing that anyway. But I thought, why not one day just to prove that, yeah. you know, who else do we need? Just do every show. Every it's show. It's a great idea. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, there we go. Maybe There's you should one. be my agent instead of my producer. Maybe, maybe. So that's for that's ticked. Okay. All, right. All Mike on the Night. Look All forward right. to that next week. Sorry, Piers. Second, now we've talked about this one before, <laughs> Aaron Zag. Oh, yeah. yeah. You keep bringing this one up. Yes, the daily yeah. rumblings this from one's never happening. me. Yeah. 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 Uh, so what if you were, say, for example, to do Aaron Zag today, what would it be? Probably working from the pub. Yeah. So you were already moaning about that. Yeah, well, Claire oh, Hang Fox, on, you've come up with one good idea already. That is true. That's one more idea than you've no, ever had. True. Aaron Zag, I don't know yet. More research has to go into what I'm angry what about What about today. your phone? The phone is a big one, yeah. yeah. We are starting a fundraiser for a new phone for the producer. He was of the actually show, begging because... people for money yesterday so he can get a new phone. I begged Kevin O'Sullivan yeah. for some money for a new phone, <laughs> and he actually got money out of his pocket and gave it to me. So um, there are people willing did to help. Did you spend that on beer? I did, yeah, yeah, I did indeed. That's why but I haven't got a new phone. I have a finger on the pulse of the youth, is what I wrote down here. Okay. So I'm trying to get I've you in touch that. with what's you know going on with the young people. Yeah. Yeah. We, so, can't, we can't rely on Laura Dodsworth to do it all the time. <laughs> so I thought, so you know, what's your finger on the pulse telling you? Um, well, I am quite an angry person, as you're aware. I do know that. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do get wound down up quite easily. I do get wound up quite easily. But we'll, we'll work on that one. We'll go yeah. to the drawing board on that one. But um, that's TBC then. So Aaron you've Zag. got two ideas. These are two, Well, I've got three. You this said the third you had three. One. Yeah, this is the third one. Oh, are you ready for this one? Go on. Kevo Sullivan unplugged. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously... I think I'd rather plug the, him in, to be honest. The idea I had while I was sat there at the pub with a beer in my hand... Yeah. Um, and I was there for quite a while. This took a long time to get these three ideas together. We take Kev to a retreat. Yeah. We film it. And he gets back in touch with nature and himself. Right. And we try and, you know, prevent Kev from being so wound up and bitter. Yes. Because we, we've noticed recently that Kev has just gone a, on a decline he when has, it comes to general yeah. happiness. Yeah. 
He so, hates people even more than he used to. He really is an angry man. Yeah. Um, so why not? So do you see like a kind of, um, you know, a sort of Buddhist I see monastery. an Idiot Abroad-esque documentary yeah. we do with Kev. Yeah. Um, we could get Warwick Davis or someone fairly small or so, just a sidekick Let's, with him. Yeah, it's something. something's eating Kevin or something Some, like. That's good too. That is quite good. Yeah. So those are three ideas I had. We that's not bad. Really well, that ask. proves to me, actually, you've had more ideas in the pub than you've ever had ever sitting had. here. Yeah, very true. So... Yeah, you're not wrong. That's there quite is some, good then. There is something to it then, maybe. But yeah. in general, I don't think it's a good idea. This is going back to Aranzag. Yeah. That is something. You do spend quite a lot of time in the pub, uh, though, don't you? But that was my point here. I said, where do I go after work now? Because I can't go to the pub after work if I'm already at the You could go home. Pub. I could go home. Fix but your what oven. sad life that would be. That is true. You know. So those are the um, those are the three takeaways I, uh, I took away from the pub. Very good. Thank you. Well done. Yeah. Uh, that's Aaron, um, our producer. And Talk TV Rising Star, I see. Thank you, Susan. Is that what it says? It says, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's something going on in here that I don't know about. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, it's time to talk to Ian in Bridge End. Hello, Ian. Hello, Mike. How are you? Right? Very well, sir. What can I do for you? Uh, well, just uh, two quick points. Um, the gentleman that rang earlier saying about uh, Liz Truss um, uh, persuading uh, British people to go and fight in Ukraine. Yes. I found an article, 27th of February, uh, by Stephen Wynne Davis for Mail Online. Yes. So uh, he's obviously a Welshman, so you can trust him. Liz <laughs> Backsplits going to Ukraine, and the, well, the, let's have a look. Asked on the BBC Sunday morning programme if she would support UK citizens, so chose to answer the call. Miss Trust said, "I do, I do support that, and of course, that is something that people can make their own decisions." Yes. About. So it's a bit of a balance, don't you? It's, it's um, not really encouraging people to go, is it? That's right. It's just responding to a question. But yes. the, the other, the other main point I'm concerned about is this um, Pesco organisation that uh, she's now signed us up to. I understand. Pesto. Um, Pesco. P E S. Which is the um, uh, the NATO and uh, EU led? Well, basically, it means that our armed forces are now subject to um, uh, control from um, the EU. You know, but that's so, not right, is Army, it? No, the British Army has joined an EU initiative, Permanent Structured Cooperation (PESCO), yeah. which involves 24 member states and NATO members. You know, I, I, I'm very concerned about this, you know, we, because this is something that Farnard warned about, wasn't it, on uh, many occasions. Yeah, I mean, there was talk of, of the EU trying to get their grips, yeah. their, 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 their mitts, in fact, on, on, on our right. army. But we will, we will always be first and foremost uh, under NATO, won't we? Well, well, we will. But the thing is now, if we are lumped in with PESCO, you know, they'll be dictating what weapons we can uh, we can create, how we can deploy them. So uh, I'm very concerned about it. It's, in, in fact, more concerned about this than the... Uh, um, the other issues that are being talked about, you know, I, I think it's something that needs to be looked at in uh, yes, in, in detail, you know, and nothing's gone through Parliament as far as we know. You know, she just went over there with uh, with Macron and bang. Before you know it, we uh, we lumped in. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you should worry too much about it. I mean, it looks as though it's a voluntary organisation, and you could leave at any time. So it doesn't sound yeah. terribly badly structured. But I'll have a look into it and see what we can find. Yeah, cheers, Mike. But uh, thanks a lot for letting us know, Ian in Bridgender. Uh, we shall. Indeed, look into this pesco scenario. I thought you said pesto at first, which is obviously a type of uh, food that you make with pasta, um, mostly from basil, or basil, as they call it in America. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a time when uh, the EU would have loved to increase the kind of, uh, what they would have called the collective um, armies of Europe. But let's face it, um, the British army uh, has always been very much, first and foremost, um, a British army. And if it's fighting under any other auspices it's either under the un as a blue beret peacekeeping force or it's very much part of a nato force so uh, i don't think anybody in the department of defense here will have a worry 
in any way, shape or form um, about that. Coming up, uh, we're going to be talking Jeffrey Dahmer. It's the drama and documentary uh, that has taken the world by storm. Now, it so happens that uh, I actually cover the Jeffrey Dahmer trial. Uh, so we're going to be talking uh, coming up in the next hour about not only the actual uh, documentary, but also the drama as well. Um, and also, uh, we're going to be finding out precisely what it was uh, that made that story so incredibly grotesque and bizarre and why so many people are now fascinated by something that happened like 30 years ago steve denny is going to be here from virgin uh, we'll find out what he makes of it all this is talk tv on your mobile on your wavelength talk radio and talk tv fast talk street talk mike graham fighting the good fight with all his might providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people solid talk hot talk the independent republic of mike graham Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here at Talk TV. Lots going on today. Uh, There's more... uh chicanery for want of a better word because I nearly said something else there for a minute but I can't say that on uh, television of course or else I would be uh, in the wrong very much so but uh, you know what I mean when I say uh, chicanery because the people involved in the chicanery uh, are very much chicanists which is not actually a word Uh, the Just Stop Oil Brigade are out there uh, out and about sitting on the streets of London holding up traffic. There's one particular incident where they've held up a fire engine now. Uh, I don't know when the police are going to properly deal with these bozos and when they're going to actually get them lifted off the road, put them in prison and leave them there for quite a long time. One of these characters was weeping and wailing over the weekend that he was being held on remand, imprisoned without even being found guilty of anything. Well, that's how the remand system works, knucklehead. What happens is you keep completely and utterly breaking the law, criminal damage all over the place. You go and tie yourself to goalposts. You go and criminally trespass inside of museums, spray painting stuff all over the world. And in the end, you get locked up because that's the only way to stop you from doing it. And the fact that people get put on remand before their court hearing is a regular occurrence in this country. So stop bleating about it. You keep saying you want to be arrested. Well, in that case, put up with it when you are arrested. Get it? 0344-499-1000. Pablo says, I used to type up all my reports in the pub, nice and peaceful, just after opening time, a tall Bloody Mary in a sandwich. Well, I mean, there's a lot to be said for working in a pub. A lot of people prefer working in coffee shops because they don't have the temptation of drinking. But if you do have something you need to do and sometimes you need to get away from the office or sometimes you have to get out of the house, I don't think there's anything wrong with working in the pub. And as Aaron proved, he's come up with more ideas in the pub than he's ever had. So, you know, quite good, really. Not bad at all. Quite a few of you saying that he may well be a rising star, but we'll see about that. Let's not get carried away. Uh, let's talk to Andrew Allison, Chief Executive of the Freedom Association, because I'll tell you what, uh, never has there been more uh, need for something called the Freedom Association, because our freedoms on a daily basis are under constant attack. Let's find out why. Andrew, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Mike. So, how is the God's country up there in Yorkshire? Oh, lovely day today. Cold this morning, but the sun is shining and it's got quite warm. So, yeah, all, nice is, all, all is well. Before we kick off, I've been asking for some um, um, appearance money, if you like, from Liz Truss. I think it's time she came out and actually said something about the state of the economy. Uh, do you agree or are you one of those who thinks she should uh, stay behind closed doors? <laughs> oh, dear, that's a hard one, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I think, look, I, I agree with what she's trying to do. Um, if we don't go for growth, then what are we going to do? We have to go for growth. Uh, and I, I think the policies are right. Uh, I don't think the communication has been very good. I think it's been appalling at times. Uh, and, and that is part of, of the problem. 
But I understand that Liz Truss is working behind the scenes. She's she's on a charm offensive with uh, Conservative MPs. I think she's going to address the 1922 committee meeting uh, tomorrow evening of backbench Conservative MPs. So so hopefully we will see a little bit more of her. Yes, I think so. Let's talk a bit about what's been going on uh, in the world of social media. And I count PayPal as part of that, because even though it's not technically a social media firm, it is one of those new companies that has kind of spread its word uh, on the Internet. It's an, al- it's an alternate banking system for an awful lot of people. An awful lot of traders use it. Uh, I used to use it myself when, when I did a lot more live uh, uh, performances and we would sell things at the venues and you'd have one of those little PayPal um, accounts, a little machine that people could pay into. Um, but they've been behaving rather oddly lately. They started banning the Freedom Association, not the Freedom Association, sorry, the, um, the Free Speech, Free Speech. Um, uh, Union, uh, and plus us for them. Um, there's a story doing, going doing around this week uh, that actually they were threatening possibly to fine people uh, if they said things they didn't like. Yes, and they said that was a huge mistake. Well, that was total nonsense, wasn't it? They were, they were trying to get away with it, then they were found out, yes. and then they had to... Uh, beat a hasty retreat um what they've done to the free speech union is, is appalling uh, i mean i know that they've said oh well you know your your accounts can be used again but i was speaking to toby young last week and there's no way that toby is, go- is going to use paypal again uh, i've said i'll never use paypal again and although the freedom association never used paypal certainly not in about the last 10 years mm. we will never even consider using paypal again uh, and judging by the emails that i'm getting from people uh, there's, there's going to be a mass withdrawal there so uh, go woke, go broke, as they say. Yes, well, exactly right. And it's kind of chilling that even come up with these ideas, isn't it? Because there's clearly yeah. um, um, lots of people abroad, and I mean abroad in a, in a very broad sense, um, who believe that if you don't agree with them uh, and you have a different view from them, then you should not be allowed to express it in any way, shape or yes. form. And that's and, and, and that's the problem. Um, it, it's got nothing to do with the the quote attributed to Voltaire that you know, I may disagree vehemently disagree with with what you say, but I will defend to the death mm. your right to say it. I mean, these people don't believe that at all. They have a worldview, um, and they they believe that everyone should adhere to their to their worldview, and everybody else is dangerous. Mm. Yeah. Uh, to, to, total nonsense. I mean, in in the words of uh, of the late great Sir Roger Scruton. Um, the, the free speech is, is not the cause of the problems that we've got going on around us. It's the only possible solution to them. Mm, exactly. Absolutely bonkers mad. A couple of um, what can only be described as colonial related stories this week as well. Um, pupils vocabulary uh, needs to be improved, apparently, um, because schools are saying that uh, pupils vocabulary, uh, particularly the word gap between middle and working class children, has got colonial roots. I don't really understand that. Another one uh, where white students have been banned from Black History Month events at Westminster mm. University. Well, I think children should have a better vocabulary, uh, but I don't think it's got anything to do with colonial roots. No. I think it's got to do with poor education, to be perfectly honest. Yes. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the Westminster University story is quite incredible. I mean, whatever happened to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, speech, you know, I have a dream speech, mm. where, where he dreamed that he's, that his children would be judged by the content of their character, not the colour of their skin. Yes. Well, what's happening at Westminster University <laughs> is that white people are being judged by the by the colour of their skin yeah. and told that they can't enter events for Black History Month. I mean, I mean it's setting the clock backwards again, yeah. isn't it? Well, it really is. It's creating a racist divide where there never yes. was one. Yes, exactly. Uh, and but, but this is what this sort of Black Lives Matter movement is all about. It's, it's, it's cultural Marxism. I mean, Marxists 
have never won the argument when it comes to economics. Mm. And now they're now they're trying to 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 turn us all into into Marxists through uh, through through cultural means. Yes. Um, and, and you know, at the moment, I have to say, Mike, it is working. I mean, it, I think to a certain extent we're losing the war, mm. but I think we just have to dig in and, and, and fight a little bit harder. And certainly that's what the Freedom Association is doing. And that's what Toby and, and, and all the guys at the, mm. the Free Speech Union are doing now. And we, we just have to keep on pl plowing away. Yeah, but an awful lot of this is being driven by academics, isn't it? I mean, we saw during the oh, period yes. of mourning for the Queen when all yes. those idiotic American professors were banging on about how racist the royal family was and how colonially uh, guilty they should all be and how they weren't going to celebrate or, or mourn for the Queen because she was a ghastly, evil individual. I mean, you do wonder whether these people have actually ever examined their own sanity. Uh, yes, you do. And, of course, the New York Times certainly helped them with that. And yes. uh, I, I know a few people now on the left who've told me that they've cancelled their New York Times subscription. Yeah. That's people on the left because they were disgusted with what the New York Times was printing. Yes. Um, so, again, go woke, go broke to mm. a certain extent. Uh, but you are right. Uh, I, I mean, uh, academia is full of, uh, of left-wingers, as is the teaching profession in general, certainly in the UK, and I imagine it's the same in America and in other countries around the world. But the good news is there are still people who are very reasonable. Even if they are from the left, they still value free speech. They still value debate. Yes. And there are a lot of people who, who are more to the right as well. Um, and it's a matter of just bringing them to the fore. Uh, and that's what we're going to be planning to do next year when we have a conference in London, hopefully at King's College London, if that can be arranged. Oh, you'll well, probably be banned. I bet you'd be no platform from the King's College crowd. I well, imagine. no, no, King's College want to host it. In do all they? fairness to them, yes, they do. Um, they, they, they understand what, what is being said about them and they, and they, and, and they do want to, to host this conference. But, it, but it, it will be a spread. It'll be academics from the left and from the right. But what, what everyone will agree with is that we should all be allowed to express our views. It's, it's going to be a very much... Well, absolutely. But, this is the, but the problem, and this has happened in America, and it may well end up happening here, um, because you see Keir Starmer moving more to the centre of, of uh, what you might call centre-left politics. Because in America, the Democrats, uh, the, you know, the regular sort of sensible Democrats, are in absolute despair because of what's happening on the left of their party, where they're being dragged down this kind of anti-colonial route where, you know, reparations should be paid to everybody and, you know, the white man should be absolutely and utterly ashamed of everything that's ever happened in the history of the world because it's all his fault, you know. And they're never going to be able to win um, against a regularly kind of... Um, Republican vote in the next election, and certainly not even in the midterms, unless they can lose this rabble. It's interesting what's happening in in America. I mean, I mean, the the, the Republicans do seem to be making some headway, uh, and it will be interesting to find out. I mean, it's less than a month's time now mm. uh, when we have the midterm elections in the United States. Um, predictions that I've heard, and I was speaking to a journalist last week who spent some time in America and has been studying this is that the, uh, the Republicans are going to do very well in those midterms and, and take the House of Representatives. Probably not the Senate, but certainly uh, the, the House of Representatives. Mm. Yeah. But, but some, some of them are, ma are making headway. But you are correct. I mean, those sort of mainstream Democrats, uh, to, to try and come up with an analogy, sort of traditional old Labour uh, in, in the UK, people who genuinely cared about the working man and, 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 uh, and woman, uh, and and wanted better working conditions for them. Those people are very much dismayed at, at all of this identity politics. But lest we forget, you know, um, Keir Starmer and Angela Rayner were there two years ago 
after the killing of um, what's his name? Was it Floyd? Wasn't it in yeah. um, in, in Minneapolis? They yeah. were down on their knee, taking the knee to to, to, to all of this. So yes. I, I haven't forgotten that, and I imagine that a few other people haven't forgotten. Well, do you know it was interesting because I put that tweet out um, a couple of weekends ago of Keir Starmer on his knee, um, taking mm. the knee, and I said, "Do you really think this is going to be the next prime minister of this country?" And the vitriol that I got from Labour was incredible. The kind of people who were just calling me a racist and this, that, and the other. I see a man who's doing something for the community, and well, in fact, he did. He's not doing anything for anybody. He's just making a virtue signalling event out of something uh, mm. which should never have become that. You know. So I wonder where you are uh, and in terms of Red Wall victory for the Tories, you know, Liz Truss may be losing the plot and maybe losing the next election, but it's not over yet because, you know, a lot of people who did change their vote from Labour to the Tories aren't going back to Labour anytime soon, are they? Well, perhaps some will and some won't, but we please remember, you know, we've, we've got more than two years uh, to go before mm. the next general election has to be called. I, I mean, yeah, if if you want to pin me down, I think probably September or October 2024 will yeah. be perhaps the last possible date that there could be a general election. I and mean, some people in the Conservative Party were telling me next week, well, it could be December or it mm. could even be January 2025. Well, I don't don't think that there's an appetite to, to hold a, an election in the depths of winter. Mm. But certainly September, October would be fine. But of course, you know, some some of these reforms that um, that are going through may work a little bit quicker. Than, than some of us uh, think, uh, and therefore there could be a general election before then. And I did read on Twitter this morning that Sakia Starmer sacked his chief of staff and yes. he's put, he's put Labour on an election footing. Well, yeah, very sensibly, I suppose, in that respect, because there could be a general election at any time now before January 2025. Uh, and if the polls are going in favour of Liz Truss, which they may well do, uh, then, then expect that. Mm, very much so. Uh, Andrew, good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Andrew Allison, Chief Executive at the Freedom Association, um, doing something at King's College. That should be very interesting indeed. Uh, this is Talk TV. Much more coming up, of course, including Steve Daniel from Virgin. We're going to talk about the Dharma phenomenon uh, that's going on right now on Netflix, and we'll take more of your calls. This is Talk TV. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Report. Public of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid morning with Mike Graham, Talk Radio. confidence starts with loving who you are and when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside you naturally radiate confidence from the inside give your skin a glow up with osea's clinically proven mega moisture duo this ultra hydrating body care features two of osea's best sellers undaria algae body oil and undaria collagen body lotion these seaweed powered heroes use skincare level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty free, and climate neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out 
Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.